What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the XU Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Widmer. I'm hoping you had an amazing 4th of July weekend that was filled with good food, amazing music, the sun, and some celebrating. Happy Thursday. This is episode 63 of the podcast. If you're new to the show, this is an all things electronic music dance podcast. Um, So we talk about concerts, we talk about music, some of my favorite artists get interviews. So if you're new, welcome. If you've been here before, happy to have you back. Um, This Monday, I was at the Brooklyn Mirage. For the second time in less than a month, I had gone to Martin Garrix, as I talked about on the last episode of the podcast earlier in June. And Monday, and I've said it before, I genuinely do think Goldfish is one of the most fun best live show experiences that you can get in dance music they have an amazing i believe their their background is that they are jazz musicians so if you don't know goldfish they bring saxophone and piano and cello and flute and all this live music incorporation into their music amazing vibes amazing music they debuted some new music they have an album coming out i believe within the next month which i'm super excited for if i remember correctly the title of it is if summer was a sound or if summer had a sound uh they played a new id to close out their set and i always say it but they are i've seen them now four or five times every single time one of the best experiences just fun dancey good vibes perfect concert to go see in the summer and when you're in the sun so we saw Goldfish, they they delivered for us in every way, and then Lost Frequencies, which is an artist that I obviously know a lot of his songs, but would never have considered myself a big Lost Frequencies fan, just as far as following him closely goes. Um, and he blew us away. I mean, he was headlining, and it was an incredible show. His production was amazing. Coolest part about the entire night was almost as if it was crafted this way, the second that Lost Frequencies came onto the stage, I believe it was like 12.30 he came on, had this big intro, and when he came out on the stage, it started to downpour. And I mean, raining so hard that it's like something out of a movie. If you've ever seen the Goo Goo Dolls perform Iris in Buffalo on 4th of July in I think maybe 2003 or four. Johnny Resnick, Goo Goo Dolls, pouring rain, like something out of a movie. That's what it was like at the Brooklyn Mirage on Monday for Lost Frequencies. Raining so hard that we had no other choice but to embrace it. And it was the first time I've ever really been at a concert where it was raining that hard and everybody collectively was having a ball. And it really added to the experience. So good crowd at the Mirage. It was a Monday night, obviously, right before 4th of July. Pack show sold out, I believe, but a, a respectable, or I should say, respectful crowd um, that really, you know, was good vibes. We had plenty of room to move around. We ended up going up top for the last 20 minutes or so of the set, um, and really had a had a blast. So um, that's the most recent show. Taking a little bit of a break from from shows for July. I'm, I'm eyeing some for later this summer in August, and and who knows which ones will pop up, but. Um, had a great time on Monday and uh, again shout out to Lost Frequencies and shout out to Goldfish um, for just putting on a great show and and celebrating America in in the best way just dancing a little bit 
This week on the podcast, we have another edition of what it's like to go to blank. I've had what it's like to go to Tomorrowland, what it's like to go to EDC Vegas, what's it like to go to Ibiza. These are all episodes that you can find on our Spotify. I also did a recap of going to Ultra Music Festival this past March. And this week, I have Alex Riahi. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, Alex. Um, My brother connected me with Alex. They used to work together. And Alex just went to his second Electric Forest about two weeks ago um, in Michigan. So I want Electric Forest has become a festival that, you know, I feel like everybody sees all these amazing videos and the campgrounds and the stages and the whole community and world around Electric Forest looks incredible. You see artists multiple lane eight griffin all these different artists are posting on their own social medias not just how happy they were to play it but just how happy they were to be back in the forest walking around the campgrounds so it's a festival that is high on my bucket list and i joked with alex that this episode is not sponsored by electric forest but i believe if you listen to this and if you're thinking about going to electric forest after hearing this podcast and this conversation with alex you're going to want to go Um, Alex does an amazing job of kind of giving us a full idea of what it's like to go to the festival. We talk about realistic pricing and budgeting that you need to think of, what the camping scene is like, the different stages, the campground itself, the music, obviously, and the whole thing collectively. So um, really fun episode, had a blast talking with Alex and really appreciate him being so in-depth and detailed and informative when it comes to telling us what it's like to go to the festival. So hope you guys like this episode. It's episode 63 of the XU podcast. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok. Haven't posted on TikTok in a minute, but we'll get some stuff going on there soon. At X underscore U underscore pod. That's X underscore Y-O-U underscore pod. Hope you guys like this conversation. We'll see you next week. Thanks. All right, guys, welcome back to the XU podcast. This is episode 63, and we have an awesome episode this week. It's one that I haven't done in a while as far as format goes, but we are diving into another festival breakdown this week. In the past, I've had people on who have gone to Tomorrowland and told us what it's like to go to EDC Vegas. I obviously had an experience at Ultra um, this past March, but... This week, we have Alex Rahahi on, who my brother made an introduction to. Um, they used to be co-workers. And Alex, two weeks ago, was at Electric Forest. And I think Electric Forest, especially in the past couple of years, has become the festival that is the new kind of like magic kingdom type magical world that people have gone off to. And with festivals like EDC Vegas and Ultra obviously getting super mainstream, and Electric Forest, I'm sure, is kind of on the way um, to to being that just in terms of popularity. I really was wanting to dive into the festival. Um, it's certainly high on my bucket list. So, Alex, welcome to the podcast. I know you've been twice, but welcome to the XU podcast, man. Pumped to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Shout out Nick, my my man from our, our old days at the ad agency world. Excited to talk about Electric Forest. Yeah, man. So... We, we're going to dive into the festival, but I always like getting a little background. I think any music festival goer, regardless of genre, regardless of what type of music you're going for, you're into music. I think for the most part, if you're going to a multiple day festival, you're into music. And in this world, electronic music, 
you're into elect, you know, you're into the genre, you're at, you're into the scene. So I'd love to get a background on you, um, kind of pre-electric force, just, just your dance music kind of resume, uh, if, if you will, or like kind of what got you into it and, and some of your favorite artists and things like that. Yeah, totally. Um, so going way back, I was not an electronic kid growing up. I was a pop punk kid. And I think a lot of us got our roots there. Um, was going to shows pretty much all throughout high school, but those were like basement shows. So always loved going to live, live music events and whatnot. Back on the Warp Tour day, it was technically like my first festival. Um, I think I evolved a little bit through college into like right after college into more of like the indie alternative uh, route a little bit. Um, got a little bit into the scene a little bit later on. Um, in 2018, 2019 is when I really picked up most of the electronic side that, I, that I've been really digging into lately. Um, a friend of mine, if he listens to this, John, quick shout out to John, um, said, dude, you got to check out this, this group called Odessa and listen to them, listen to their albums. And then I think from there, I was like, okay, a little apprehensive about seeing them. Ended up seeing them at Crossed in 2019. And from there, like everything changed and just kind of like opened up kind of my view to the music, the scene, the people. Um, I, I definitely find myself more of that like indie electronic, but also like ethereal type music. So some of my favorites are Odessa, Lane 8, Rufus Soul, Porter Robinson, like some big names, obviously, in, in the, the place. But um, expanding here and there um, from that, you know, obviously House is having a big resurgence. But um, yeah, from that 2019 piece onward have uh, pretty much been all in on the electronic front, going to a couple of different festivals, a couple of different shows. Um, obviously the year and a half that um, were forgotten here um, but have been to a few things and um, Electric Forest I think has been like the favorite of mine and we'll, we'll talk about it in a second but have yeah. done like pop-up um, local festivals like Boston Calling uh, a little bit more main, like more mainstream music uh, did Coachella in 2022 um, some one-day festivals here and there a couple Red Rock shows then obviously like as these artists tour like try to catch them on their tours mm -hmm. as much as they can. I love it, man. And I love that you have kind of a, a, a long history of multiple festivals that you can kind of compare electric forest to and, and kind of talk about that in a second. And again, I think like, I feel like the past two years, especially maybe it was like because of the post COVID, I feel like electric forest is where a lot of people have kind of turned their attention as a festival you got to get to. I notice it's really like from artists themselves. I see a lot of artists talk about how amazing of an experience it is going to the forest, how much they love playing there. And that I think has really like ramped up my excitement about possibly going in the future and just kind of tuning into it a little bit more. Um, so I do want to dive into the festival, but I want to touch base on Odessa because Nick had mentioned that you're a big Odessa fan. And that was another big reason why I wanted you on the podcast. So Odessa is one of the few big names that I haven't seen or really done a deep dive into. Um, I love Odessa. I love a lot of their songs. I, I'm not blind to their music or how much people love them. I'm very in tune with it. Um, I haven't like kind of whether it's because maybe it's just not for me. And I think that's OK sometimes in dance music when there is like a especially with like the indie side of things, not that they're necessarily indie, but I think sometimes there's a lot of pressure to like understand or like, you know, be on the same bandwagon as like, you know, the big thing that people are obsessed with yeah. that isn't necessarily like a Tiesto or a, a Lesso. Like I'm kind of like that with lane eight. Like I love lane eight and this never happened. And sometimes I'm just expecting everybody to understand it, but there is a side of it where I just haven't given Odessa 
you know, the real, uh, real experience that I think I, they deserve. And a big thing is not seeing them live because I know that their live show is one of the, you know, one of the best in dance music. So tell me a little bit about as a big Odessa fan, kind of what makes them special to you and like why you're drawn to them and why you love them so much. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I definitely agree with your assessment too. Like everything is different for every person. Um, for me, when I first listened to them after my friend showed them to me, just the feeling was like, I got pretty much every, uh, spectrum of like, I felt good and happy. And then also felt a little like melancholy and then felt a little bit nostalgia and felt a little bit hopeful. And I just got that from, from listening to their music. Um, and I think, listening is one thing, right? Like you, you listen to an album, it's a certain set of BPM and it's totally different than when you go and see the performance live. Um, what I like about that translation from like their album work into the live experience is they just dial it up a notch with so many different live elements that it really just pay off on everything that you felt and heard previously. Um, so they've been doing, I think this is their fourth album now at this point. Um, this tour that they've run the last goodbye tour, um, they just, doubled up even further from what they were doing from a production standpoint. So when you go there, the visuals, they tell you a story, you're, you're getting, you know, a, a narration from a, um, a visual cue throughout the entire show. The lasers, I think were, were upgraded from this past tour that they've done. Um, they bring out live horns and a live drum line to a lot of their songs. Um, on top of that, like the confetti, the pyrotechnics, the, um, just VIP remixes that they throw in and out. I think they just take it to another level. And um, when people say like they've been on every festival name kind of this summer, it's like, okay, yeah, for good reason. They're, they're kind of uh, taking what a live experience looks like just to the next level. So um, mm -hmm. not to throw shade at anybody else, but I think I just really love the, the thought, the effort that they put into it. It's just every single second is planned down to the, the minorest detail. Um, and that's what really shows when you experience that 90 minute set, uh, in person. Yeah. I mean, I have no doubts. I mean, sometimes as a electronic music podcast host, I kind of feel like a shame that I'm not more in tune with, like, obviously I understand that they're awesome and I'm sure that I just need to kind of see them live to really kind of, you know, cross that, cross that bridge of like really understanding it. Um, their live show, like all the videos that I always see look amazing. So it's, they're definitely them and Rufus to soul are probably two of my like white whales that I haven't seen. Yeah. And I think Rufus like Odez is very much like a lot. You kind of have to see him live to fully understand it. So, um, do you have any off the top of your heads to put you on the spot? Any favorite Odez songs? Uh, my favorites are, uh, off the newest album wide awake is one of my favorites. Um, just love the the vocals on it and the way they chop it up. Um, love letter with the with the Knox is one of my favorites, mostly because of how the live experience kind of elevated that for me. Um, but then the one song that like really like got me into them that like resonated with me was was Falls off of their last album. Um, Amazing, part, that was my absolute favorite. Awesome. And Odessa is two or three guys. Two guys, uh, yeah, both from like the Seattle Pacific Northwest cool. area. Um, yeah, they're, they're one of the best, if not the best in my opinion. Yeah. I'll, I'll I love it. Take. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, I, I wouldn't even say it's necessarily a hot take because everyone who's an Odessa fan is kind of in the same mindset of like, this is unbelievable. So, um, they're definitely on my list kind of shifting gears to electric forest. And you mentioned 
you've been to a bunch of festivals, you've been to Electric Forest twice. Electric Forest happens, what I like kind of about it too. And really this year kind of turned my attention to like, okay, I got to get to this festival. This is an early summer festival. It seems like it's a perfect time of year. Tell me about what was your first step towards going? Like what made you that first year you went? Was it a friend? Was it looking into it? See, like kind of knowing about it? When was the first time you went and everything like that? Yeah. Um, I've had two friends that have gone in 2018 and 2019 that just recommended it completely. Um, those same friends like got me into this same type of music and were like, yo, you got to check out this festival. Um, so we had plans to get everything in line for 2020 and obviously things got delayed a little bit, but um, just hearing their stories, like seeing the way that they like raved about it, um, the way that they like talked, not just on the music that you would see there, but the experience of the community was like, okay, this is definitely something that like we should carve out and make sure we do. Um, and thankfully over the past two years, we've been able to, um, and do it with a lot of like really great friends, a lot of, um, a, a larger group than I had anticipated, um, which was fun in its own right and, and brought its own set of like logistical challenges. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I think the only festival I've also like repeated gone to, yeah. which, which says a lot about it. Um, yeah. So happy to dive, cool. in, dive in more. Awesome. Yeah. And I do like to get, when I've had these episodes, I like getting from a logistical standpoint in terms of where the festival is, where you're staying, how to get there, price and all that comes into it. Just so like listeners can, who maybe have seen videos. I mean, if you've seen any of the electric electric forest content and you're a dance music fan, it, it does look like a, a magical utopia to go to. So it's in Michigan, correct? In the forest. Correct. Yeah, it's in Rothbury, Michigan, which is, um, if you're familiar with Michigan, it's on the western side. So it's like okay. pretty much on the, the edge of Lake Michigan there. Um, I'm coming from Massachusetts, from Boston, and it's a 16-ish hour drive. A couple of people fly in. You can fly into Detroit, Grand Rapids, Chicago, and get there pretty easily. Um, what I love about it is that everybody there is camping. It's not one of those places that you could get an Airbnb or crash at a friend's place, uh, which brings its own set of, of challenges with it, but everybody is there and everybody's camping on the campgrounds, uh, the entirety of, of the festival, which is fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And it's Thursday to Sunday, Friday to Sunday, Wednesday to Sunday, or four days, um, Thursday through Sunday. Some people can go in on Wednesday. You can pay a little bit extra to just arrive early, call it Wednesday early arrival. Um, but the wristband will cover you for the full weekend. I think this past year, the wristbands were like just under 500 before fees um, tackle on like a car pass and maybe an, a Wednesday early arrival pass. And you're looking at like 600, 650 to go there. Uh, but that being said, like there's other ways around it. Obviously that's like the base level for general admission. There's like yeah. VIP and there's um, effortless and, and you can even bring your RV if you have one, like there's a lot mm -hmm. that you can do from a pass standpoint there. Okay, cool. So would you say having a car is pretty crucial as far as the camping goes? Can you go, like if I flew into Michigan and then I wanted to go to the festival, I'm sure logistically it would probably be much harder, but you know, do people go and, and just kind of bring tents and camp and find a spot or how does that work? Yeah, you can do it a couple of ways. Um, I think having a car is helpful just to like have your spot, you know, you're going to get in, you're in control of that. Um, there are shuttle services out of like different regional airports slash cities. So like there's a shuttle from Detroit, from Grand Rapids, I think from Chicago. I think there's even one from New York City that you could just buy a ticket for or hop on the shuttle. And then like you just get bus to 
the location and then bus back when it ends. Um, I know that, you know, having a car and renting it is more cost as well, but uh, it does add up, especially when you can like pack all of your camping gear, and pack all of the groceries you're going to need. That car fills up pretty, pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And it's just tied to your, your camp spot whenever you go. So um, I find cool. it very helpful to go. That's why I've driven out and, and has made it pretty easy for me too. Yeah. And that drive there, that 16 hour drive is like part of the, part of the whole weekend too. The experience of anticipation and, and leaving the festival, I'm sure is like one of the best parts of the bonding experience. Yeah. The whole, whole drive over there. I'm like going through the lineup. I'm trying to see who I'm yeah. in the card. I need to like learn more about it so I can catch their set. I'm like calling friends. We're talking about like uh, can't miss sets that we're going to go to anybody that like we really want to see or should check out. So yeah, the excitement is there on the way there. And then on the way back sleep deprived a little bit, but uh, you know, still buzzing just off of the energy of the weekend. I, both times that I've gone, I've just come back and it's been like, yes, I've been behind on sleep, but just felt really great because it was such a, such a good time. Yeah. Now for you, do you usually, and I'm, again, a lot of our listeners, I think are on the East coast. So people who are maybe thinking about doing this trip, do you drive out Wednesday night? Do you drive, get up early Thursday and get out there? You said it's a 16 hour drive. So, um, when do you try to land at electric forest? Yeah. Um, I, oh, let me preface this by saying like I, this past year did the past two years did group camping. So like what we did was we had a group above 20 people dedicate like, um, basically saying we are going to electric forest. We plan to do a group camp, which is great because you don't need to like caravan in together. You have a pre-designated spot. You just show up and start, start to set up your, your tent. So for me, the drive out there is pretty long. I try to break it up into two days. Um, I will drive out. I went to school in the Midwest, so I have friends all around and I'll just crash with one of them uh, on that Tuesday. And then we show up uh, after picking some people up from the airport. Um, on Wednesday around like five or six get to our campground around like eight ish or so. And then like can set up while there's plenty of light out. So, so um, got to go through like security and, and the car check and all that. Nice. Awesome. Cool. So you get to electric forest. I've been to firefly, um, which was a camping okay. situation. Um, and I think when you're camping, it adds a whole new level. Like I said, I went to ultra this year, which was incredible, but I was staying at my buddy's place. You know, there's no camping or anything like that. Camping really adds that, you know, almost like, you know, it almost feels like you're in your own little country for like four days of, of people living and, and you're, you meet neighbors and it just adds so much to the experience. So you get to electric forest. Tell me a little bit about the festival grounds um, and how many stages there are. Um, I'm sure there's like communities like, you know, for like breakfast spots or showers or, you know, kind of all that comes on the, on the grounds. Yeah. So, um, even in the campgrounds itself, there's like water pods set up. Uh, you could pay for showers if you wanted like a highly pressurized shower. So it's not like you're truly, truly slumming it for, for five days. Um, there then is before you even enter into the festival, what they call main street and on main street, they have a general store for you to get like first aid and stuff, uh, ice, any like electrolytes, stuff like that. Um, any camping gear that, that might've like, um, got, you know, ruined or you need something, you can go to a general store and get it. Uh, there's also food vendors. And then on the complete other side of that, there's like um, merch vendors for, um, you know, homemade um, pashminas and uh, overalls and uh, tapestries and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, once you pass main street, you head right to the festival grounds. There are seven main stages that they'll book acts to um, at the forest. 
the first is Tripoli, which is this first stage that you see. It's this main stage um, kind of right outside of this massive um, open space. This is notoriously where they have base rush every Friday. So uh, the sun's out for 12 straight hours, 13 straight hours. There's just bass music going on Friday, which everybody loves when you walk right into the festival there. Uh, maybe yeah. they don't love the sun beating right on them, but yeah. they love that. They love that stage. Um, you skirt down a little bit of a walkway and then you'll, you'll find yourself at ranch, which is the main stage. These are all like the main top, top build head headliners are going to be playing. Um, the massive sight line from the ranch all the way back towards like where the vendors are like that goes for um, maybe like three quarters, uh, maybe half a mile ish. Um, then the fun part starts where you actually walk in the trees and there's a lot of different stages scoured throughout the trees. There's the honeycomb, which are elevated stages that look like actual honeycomb, um, you know, shapes right in the middle of the yeah. forest. Uh, one of my favorite um, locations is the observatory, which is just um, a 360 degree, like kind of like wood chip pit. There's like one DJ stage, no visuals, like no LED screens, an overlooked tower that you can kind of like stand up in and watch. And it's just, um just pure vibes like right in the middle of the trees there um there's the grand artique which is a little bit of a smaller stage but it's next to the the trading post they have there um you get through the forest and then there's two more um there's carousel club which is just like your standard hangar based stage um they've they have like different like visuals on the ceiling and lights that move up and down it's just a really good like place to be late at night um, and then my favorite stage is called Sherwood Court, which is the second largest stage. Some of like the alt headliners, the sub headliners um, are booked there to to handle the conflicts. Uh, my favorite place to be just because the sight line goes on for what feels like a quarter of a mile, like right there. Um, best place to be at sunset. Some great times we've had there. Some awesome sets that we've caught there. So yeah, the, the venue is unlike anything I've ever been to. Um, distance wise, it felt a little bit smaller than the Coachella grounds but you have to kind of pass through more things to get to and from Coachella felt very like open space with obviously the art installations in the middle um, and stages around. But one yeah. good thing is that like these sound um, blockage from all the trees makes it so you're not hearing from, from one stage all the way mm -hmm. across the forest to another, there's actually a good blockage. So it's not super um, conflicting in any way. Cool. I mean, that's a great breakdown. I should say this episode is not brought to you by electric forest. Uh, they're not, they're not paying, they're not paying for us to, uh, you know, give this amazing review, but I mean, that's, I'm not surprised. And, and just hearing you talk about it, that I feel like going to a festival in that experience and walking around and learning the, over the four days, you start to get to know the grounds re really well. Obviously you've been more than once. So, you know, you probably go back and by the, by the last day, it feels like home. Like, you know, where everything is. I'm sure there's, you know, food vendors and places you can get some air conditioning probably, or, you know, pop-up tents or things like that. And, and again, that's like when you're at a festival, all those like added things that you're just, that's your environment for the four days makes the experience that much better. Um, as far as the crowd goes, as far as like, um, you know, you, you talked about like, headline conflicts and kind of trying to space out the crowds how does it feel from that standpoint because it is becoming much more popular i think um and i'm sure it will continue to be uh more people are seeing how amazing it looks every year so in in terms of just overall kind of getting around the festival the crowd itself 
I hear the energy and just the vibes at Electric Forest are amazing. Um, but if you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah, so definitely like getting a lot of the big names now. Um, and I got to throw a disclaimer. I've only been there two years. So the the OG OG days, like I can't speak to of, mm-hmm. you know, when it was the first year or two when um, they were back in the, the 2010s. But crowd size has been like pretty manageable from everything that I've seen. Um, you can walk to and from all the stages pretty easily. There's no like blocking of, of pathways or anything like that. When you get into a stage, um, there's a couple couple congested areas, like which is to be expected, especially if like someone big is playing. But um, the big stages like Ranch and Sherwood, you really have no issue kind of moving to and from. Um, what I found too is that when you're in the crowd, you actually have more space like to to dance and to like talk with your friends and, and to vibe with people rather than kind of like everybody's had that experience when they go to a sold out venue and they're shoulder to shoulder, they can't really move through. I actually didn't feel that much at all at electric forest, which is great. Um, and then you, you said it, obviously like the people there were some of the best people I've ever met strangers, friends, like just really, really kind people um, to sum it up that I, like my friend who was a first timer this past year said, everybody's there to have a good time and then they want you to also have a good time. Mm-hmm. So people are going out of their way to say happy forest to you as you're filling up your water. They compliment your outfits. They hand you these little like trinkets and little like rubber duckies and, and stuff like yeah. that throughout the course of the festival. So just generally there, there's like a large sense of community, which is why it just, the vibes are, are perfect in my opinion um, to be obviously like some people have, have, had you know some some tough experiences but yeah of course in the in the main um size of it is like the people there are fantastic and um just everybody wants you to have a good time yeah and i feel like because it's a camping only festival um you kind of weed out the people who are just going to party or like just have which nothing wrong with that i mean again i went to ultra this year and, and had an amazing time but there were certainly some overcrowded sardine like crowds where you know the the energy and the vibes radiating radiating were not always what I was hoping for. Um, again, still had an amazing time, but that's, that's great to hear. And it doesn't surprise me with a festival like that. Um, just be, and again, being out in nature, being in this beautiful, literally forest, um, yeah. very magical. I bet um, weather wise, I know there was some issues on Sunday. I think they had to evacuate the festival for a little bit. Um, have you lucked out with weather aside from that? Yeah, it was very hot this year. It was like 85, 90 degrees and just dead sun every day. And Where it's based in Michigan, the sunset actually starts at like 9.30. We're used to on the East Coast, like 8-ish now at a yeah, good time of yeah. the summer. So like 9.30 sunset is a long, long time in the sun for the day. Um, that Sunday, we did see some like thunderstorms and some rainstorms. They had to evacuate the festival for I think about an hour and a half. Um my group got pretty lucky. We were at our camp and staked everything down um, during the thunderstorm. They let us back in, um, I think, an hour and a half later. and They had to stagger some set times because of it. But other than that, um, I didn't have any issues. But I did see a couple of things of, like, people's camps getting turned over, flooded, yeah. things like that. That um, inherently comes with something like that when you're, when yeah. you're camping, too. For sure. So before I dive into the lineup with you, one last question, um, because I know when I went to Firefly, you know, it is a long weekend and it's a lot of being in the sun and partying and dancing and walking around. So when would you uh, find your group 
heading into the festival and when would when would it all wrap up is it like a 2 a.m cut do they have sunrise sets i'm not sure as far as timeline goes like that yeah the thing that i like to say about forest is like you can kind of choose your own adventure with it you could be a person that goes in for yoga at the first stage triple e and you're there like to do yoga go back to your camp and then go back in you could be someone that as soon as the the doors open you're like going through the forest and just experiencing and exploring and there's like um secret puzzles and um you know you can get access into like a speakeasy and, and stuff like that or if you know you want to relax during the day when the sun is is out you can kind of chill at camp and relax um my friends and i did more of like the latter because we kind of stayed a little bit um later up at, at night here so thursday and sunday it went until 2 a.m because the no the noise ordinance um but then friday and saturday music ended around like 3 15 3 30 um and they're actually at the campground they do have like afters going on so like i'm sure we'll put them up through sunrise so um they got a couple big names this year that kept everybody up <laughs> through, through yeah. the afters if you could hear them um but yeah it's kind of like choose your own adventure you could go in um whenever you want you can leave whenever you want to your campground and then like rest and relax some people just like go in around like two or three and just go sleep in a hammock for the afternoon until their, yeah. their music starts so really you can kind of do whatever you, whatever you want there um scheduling and, and time wise yeah and if you're if you're listening to this booking your electric electric forest for next year you have to use promo code alex for this amazing <laughs> uh review it's getting me jacked up and like you know it just sounds everything and and again they've I think the biggest testament to electric forest from my eyes is the fact that so many artists, multiple artists I see from Griffin to lane eight to all these big names who go out of their way on social media to say they, they enjoyed not only playing it, but walking around the, the, the campgrounds and you can tell it's very genuine and it's a really well run um, festival. So it's awesome to hear just like how amazing it, it all sounds um, and kind of, you know, turning our attention towards the lineup from this year. Um, I know lane eight was there. Um, I know Griffin played there, but for you, you know, I, I should have looked, I didn't even look at the uh, lineup before I, I spoke, but from, for you, I know they had a lot of big names who were some of your favorite acts, um, maybe surprise acts, somebody you didn't know beforehand that you stumbled upon just, just some takeaways from the music from the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Before, before that, just touching on the, the artists being stoked to be there um, from everything that I've heard about how artists get booked in the festival is that, when the, the lineups get scheduled every year, it's, it's more of an invitation to play. And it's not like a, a cyclical you played last year. So you're not here or you played two years ago. So we're going to get you every other year. There's no like bit of it that, that that comes with. So yeah, really there's some people that haven't played in a long time. I think lane eight, this is the first time he's played since 2018 and it's, it's, you get an invitation to be there. And that I think is really what sticks with people is like, they know it's a big moment. They showcase some of their best work at that moment. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's why you see them all being super jazzed to be there. Um, in terms of the lineup itself, a lot of the heavy hitters, like a lot of top uh, top names in, in the industry right now. Some of my favorites on the weekend were obviously Odezo was, was great live again. Um, Lane 8 was the first time I've seen him since um, his Reviver tour, and he just kind of changed his setup completely, which I was really, really stoked with. Um first time seeing above and beyond they were they were fantastic um maddie on his good faith forever live show was just made for that that type of venue um those are some of my favorites some of my like surprises of the weekend um ended up running 
into disco lines right after lane eight and cool. he was great he was fantastic put on one of the best sets that, that i've seen um apashi had a, a live brass ensemble so he had like eight brass pieces like horns cool. playing with him all of his music which was fantastic um and then on thursday sophie tucker threw down like they were they went crazy they were, nice. they were fantastic um there's some others in like the mid and, and undercard um embers and Massane, if you like that deep yeah. house um kick they were fantastic uh rusco and dirt monkey on um the base side were were fantastic um he's kind of blowing up right now but iso xo or iso zo yeah a fantastic yeah. set um every every set that i saw was was fantastic honestly and like i could go uh, top to bottom awesome. with it but yeah it was, it was a great time Cool. Do, uh, you mentioned it, but what's the stage uh, that I believe Embers played on with like, obviously there's a bunch of trees, but I feel like that's like one that I always yeah. see. Observatory. Yeah. That yeah. that one, that's the one I've like seen so many, like a lot of, I'm a big, this never happened guy. I know Jero played there in the past. Um, I think Lay Youth has played there. Um, yeah. It, I mean, you see it and it, it almost looks, it almost looks like a, like fake, like a, like a Disney world construction of, of what it would be like to, you know, go to Tomorrowland almost. It almost gives off those types of vibes. Yeah, there's trees everywhere. And one, it's great when it's like the sun's still up and it's trying to block it a little bit. So perfect. Then second is like when the sun actually goes down, you wouldn't expect like a, a place like that with no LED walls to like, there's no visuals, but the lasers come up. You see lasers from like the other side of the trees come through. Like everything just like kind of slowly rises. I'll never forget the first time I went last year, um, I saw Tin Liquor there as the sun went down and I was like, this is the moment the forest like came alive because all the lights came up. You can yeah. hear all the sounds from across the festival. One of my favorite, one of my favorite stages there. Um, and they had like a lot of killer people there this entire, this entire weekend. Amazing, man. Oh man. Like I'm, I'm literally just like sitting here itching to go to this. <laughs> like you, you, you did an amazing job of recapping just like, and I think embodying like how spe- like how special it, it all sounds and um again i think for a lot of festivals and you mentioned you've been to coachella um a lot of these mainstream festivals while they are amazing like you know it, maybe the the crowd isn't fully there in terms of like same mindset and vibe that you're going into it or uh maybe the the festival grounds isn't really what you wanted it to be but the lineup's amazing so it sounds like electric four is kind of just embodies all of the amazing things that like a Tomorrowland kind of has in my, I mean, I've never been to Tomorrowland, but you know, I'm getting the same vibes as that, which is definitely good company um, as far as festivals go. Um, so I, you mentioned earlier kind of like price price wise, but for people who are like, all right, I want to try to do this realistic budget expectations for someone who's thinking about going with their friends next year, what would you say um, is, is the range yeah, so I would say that there's like three ways that you could do it. That you could do for us. You could do it super basic and, and go on a budget and just get your wristband. Um, if you have a car nearby to drive, like do it in that sense. Like I also recognize like I'm coming from the East Coast. I'm not coming from the Midwest here. I don't have to, I choose not to fly. So that's that's part of it. Um, you could do the super budget range. That would probably would cost around like my guess is $700, $800, which would be like bare bones, your eating peanut butter and jellies, ramen mm-hmm. and stuff like that with people lending you their camping gear. Um, you can go for like the super other end. Like if that's not too hot, if the too cold Goldilocks side of things, um, you could just like get all things new, get a bunch of new camping gear. That would probably, I couldn't even begin to, yeah. to say what that would cost. You could try to go for a different 
wristband package um, into uh, VIP or into a different camping area. Um, what where me and my friends try to like to go is like in the middle ground. Like we try to um, live and and experience this comfortably, but not like breaking the budget in any way. So yeah. uh, I'd say like for me, like excluding the drive than the travel because that's different for each person. Like what probably ended up looking at for gear, um, the wristbands, the group camping, the the parking pass, like probably like eight hundred ish or so, including food. Then you add like the commute on top of it, probably like close to eleven hundred, eleven fifty, twelve hundred. So it's pretty reasonable when you throw in the fact that like you are traveling for a place like this. It's obviously different if you live in the Midwest and can just kind of drive up. Um, yeah, my my East Coastness is showing. Yeah, here, but but yeah, cool man. Well, listen, it definitely sounds worth it. Um, and for four days of that, I, I can only imagine. Um, being there and every day you get more and co- more and more comfortable with the grounds and you know, you know, again, those festivals are so fun sitting at that camp campsite with your friends beforehand, kind of mapping out your day. Who are we seeing first? Then we're going to go over here and those random disco lines type shows where you kind of stumble upon one. Um, and you know, you grab food with your friends. It's just a, a an awesome experience. So, um, really happy I got you on, man. Again, this, I knew it was, I knew it was a special festival. So I was, kind of looking for someone to get on and talk a little bit more about it, who had been there. So, um, you know, it does sound like you, you said you're not an electric forest veteran, but you definitely, <laughs> I think, uh, gave an awesome review. Um, and I appreciate it, man. That was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I have done a few festivals and I haven't done some of the other main ones, but like, this is one that regardless of lineup, like my friends and I are like, we're going to go back and it's just the vibes were unmatched um so if this if anybody listening is like this is what you needed to to send it next year like green light go for it yeah i'm gonna be sending this to all my friends who have been talking (laughs) we've been kind of like you know we've been like dancing around it we kind of know that we need we need to go but uh this should be what's what's gonna push us over so hopefully i get to experience with you man i uh again really appreciate you coming on it was a blast talking and awesome recap seriously for sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And uh, I'll see you in the forest in 2024. Yes, man. All right, guys, this was episode 63. What it's like going to electric forest with Alex. Really appreciate you, man. And we will catch you guys next week. Peace.